From WXXI News, this is Connections. I'm Evan Dawson. Our connection this hour was made in 2014, and I'm going to let Mother Jones magazine tell part of the story. Quote, The influential black author Walter Dean Myers and his son, the author and illustrator Christopher Myers, wrote companion pieces in the New York Times Sunday Review, asking, where are the people of color in children's books? A month later, unwittingly twisting the knife, the industry convention BookCon featured an all-white, all-male panel of superstar children's book authors. Novelist Ellen O. and like-minded literary types responded with a Twitter campaign, hashtag We Need Diverse Books, that spawned more than 100,000 tweets. Most hashtag campaigns go nowhere, but O managed to harness the momentum. We Need Diverse Books is now a nonprofit that offers awards, grants, and mentorships for authors, internships aimed at making the industry more inclusive, and tools for promoting diverse books, end quote. But as the magazine notes, that has not fully solved this problem. The Cooperative Children's Book Center at the University of Wisconsin-Madison looked at 3,200 children's books published in the United States last year, and the diversity was still woefully lacking. The center found that only 14% had black, Latino, Asian, or Native American main characters. And when you move beyond children's books to general literature, a question. Think back to your high school reading list. How many books were written by authors of color? How many featured protagonists of color? When WXXI News conducted our investigation into the lack of diversity on local teaching staffs, we found frustration among some parents regarding the whiteness of local reading lists. My guest this hour is a children's book author. Perhaps not one you might expect, He's also the president of the Rochester City School Board, and Van White can discuss these issues with a range of hats on. His new book is called Heroes, and it's listofheroes.org, or dot com. Com. Dot com. Oh, dot com. (laughs) com for the book online, but Heroes by Van White. Congratulations on the new book. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you. And I didn't know that you were an author, too. I did my little research. Oh, stop. uh, Yeah, no. Summer in a Glass. Summer in a Glass. That's Uh, ancient history now. Well, how long ago did you write it? It came out six years ago. Well, the point is, the moral of the story is many of us wear multiple hats. (laughs) And sometimes, um, what I found, and I don't know if this was your experience, that one of the ways that we can most effectively wear our other hats is by wearing the hat of an author. And, and, and what I mean by that, I'm just sort of, sort of reflecting on the stats that you provided. I was f- finding in real time as a member of the Board of Education when I would go and read to kids in schools that um, sometimes the books were diverse, but not as often as I would like. You know, the hero wasn't uh, Latino, African-American, Native American. Uh, women were often missing. Um, How but, often do you read? How often do you Oh, do I would say twice, three times uh, a month. I'd say at least three times a month. And usually it's to younger, obviously it's to younger kids. Yep. And, and and more importantly, Evan, though, I found that the message wasn't there, you know, aside from the issue of diversity. What I found really missing was when I was a kid, when I was coming up, my mom would take me to the library on Mount Hope Avenue or the Rundell Library, or I don't know for those of you out there who remember the Bookmobile. Um, Dr. Seuss was big. He was huge. And Dr. Seuss always had a message. His his images were pretty compelling as a kid. I, I remember seeing them, but the message was also there, and it, it, it carried with me as I got older and older and older. So even today, as I'm reading all oh, the places you will go to college students in a commencement exercise, the message is still there from kindergarten up to graduation. So I found that the message was there. And so what I wanted to write Heroes, uh, I wa- what I wanted to do with Heroes is not only write a, a, a book that was entertaining, but also educational. And the, the, the message here, quite simply, is we need heroes. And not only are there heroes around you, young men and young ladies and adults, 
but you can be a hero too. When you talk about the messages you saw that you were sort of dissatisfied with when you read to, to young kids, as you do a few times a month, do you find like I do? I've got a five-year-old. I, I find books are kind of mean. I don't know if mean's the right, but <laughs> there's a lot of unnecessary nastiness, I find, or <sighs> I don't mind fun, wacky stuff, but sometimes I find it just kind of unnecessarily, occasionally mean, I guess. Well, I, I think mean characterizes many books. I think, and I'm, I apologize if this offends some folks, excessively silly um, you know, because when you, at least when you're in my situation, when you go and you read to kids, it's a an opportunity of a lifetime, really. And I want to maximize that opportunity. And if it's just about being silly, and I can be silly, you know, kids will tell you throughout this district, I'll get on the floor and I'll make a fake voice and really entertain the kids. But I thought it was important to be able to do both. Again, for what it's worth, my role model uh, was Dr. Seuss. He entertained and he educated. Not always, but he usually did both. And and I, I got to agree with you. There's th- There are books that are very mean. I think they're mean because mean kind of sells. Yeah, uh, right, exactly. Uh, I think that's why we see a lot of that. But when you go and read to schools, as many of us do, you get to, to choose the books. But quite often the books weren't they didn't have the messages I wanted, and I, I began writing heroes. Now, let me also tell you, I'm a dad of three. Uh, I've spent my whole life reading to my kids, particularly when they're y- especially when they're young. And uh, I also found the messages kind of wanting. Uh, you know, I read the Dr. Seuss, and I read uh, all the books that many parents do. But I sometimes would, along with my kids, to encourage the creativity side of them, we would make our own books. And so this isn't the first book I wrote. Like you, I've, I've had an offline career <laughs> writing books, uh, but mostly as a father. And, and I would encourage people, if you, if you buy this book or you buy Dr. Seuss book or any of the great books that are out there, consider drafting a book or two with your kids because that will allow them to become an author, more importantly, that will allow them to think creatively. We're talking to Van White. It's listofheroes.com on the website for his book. The book is simply called Heroes. And throughout this hour, we're going to talk about the importance of having support for authors of color, protagonists of color, themes that impact uh, across uh, the the racial spectrum in this country. But Heroes isn't just about that. What I like about Heroes is there's a lot of people, a lot of kids in the book, um, a lot of adults, and you see a great cross-section of people, that it's... um, um, it's really well illustrated, and Van sort of shocked me when he he told me he he didn't not the complete illustrations, but you kind of did the setup, and then you kind of yeah. It's really it really looks good. Well, and and I got to tell you, when you're trying to, I was at the Harlem Book Fair this weekend. We sold a lot of books, and. Um, for two reasons. One, young people love colorful illustrations. And for me, that was the, the, the buy-in with Dr. Seuss as a kid. But parents um, like me, like you, we all want to, our time with our children is precious, particularly if we're reading to them. And we want it to be valuable time spent. And I think parents saw the message. And let me give you an example. When, when I would be asked by the kids to, and their parents to sign the book, I said, well, before I sign this book, I got to know. Who did you help today? I'd say right to the little kid. Who did you help today? And they would kind of look at me kind of funny. And they would say, well, I helped so-and-so. I said, well, okay, you know what? That makes you a hero. And their eyes kind of lit up. They didn't think of themselves 
in that position, like Batman or Superman or the Hulk. I think it's important that, and I hope this is what people get out of heroes, that people, particularly young people, begin to see themselves as heroes. And here's the other question I would ask. I would say, hey, listen, do you know any heroes in your life? And of course, the first thing they say is Aquaman, Superman, Spider-Man, right? They go on a list of heroes. And I would say, oh, yeah, that's cool. Oh, yeah, I like Spider-Man. Spider-Man's cool. Yeah, I like him. But do you know anybody who's a superhero in your life? And they would kind of look kind of lost, and they'd look around. And, and I said, well, who's that lady? Literally, I would say, who's that lady standing next to you? Who's that man standing next to you? And they would say, that's my mom, that's my dad. I said, well, did your mom help you today? Did she uh, get, feed you today? Did she put, help you get dressed today? Did she help you take a bath? And they would say, yes. And it was like a light bulb went up, Evan. They would literally, literally, is, and, and then I would say, well, that's a hero. And this big smile would come over their face, and they'd hug their mom or their dad. Uh, so I, I, the message in, in Heroes is uh, there are people, heroes all around you, and you also can be a hero. Van White is my guest. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit from Heroes as well here. But listeners, as we go throughout the hour here, we're going to kind of broaden as we go throughout literature and talk about maybe our own experiences with reading lists and how not just Van as an author, but also as a member of the Board of Education thinks districts can do a better job of broadening reading lists. And you mentioned what sells. Sometimes nastiness sells. Sometimes these these messages that you get in Heroes are harder to sell. Well, let me read from this Mother Jones magazine article on the uncomfortable truth about children's books. I'm going to read from that. Quote, for years, well-meaning people up and down the publishing food chain agreed that diverse books are nice and all. But, and here voices were lowered to just between us volume, they don't sell. People of color, it was said, simply don't purchase enough children's books. But after studying the market last year, the consumer research firm Nielsen urged publishers to embrace multicultural characters and better content. Nielsen found that even though 77% of children's book buyers were white, ethnic minorities purchased more than their populations would predict. And the point is, end quote, the point is from, from the article there, that the publishing industry thinks that the only thing that sells is sometimes nastiness, yep. and usually to white buyers. Yeah, I mean, it's but, like the opposite of what you're trying to accomplish. Here. Well, but but if you think about it, that shouldn't surprise any of us. So we look at TV and nastiness sells. I mean, uh, you know, you you look at salaciousness, um, behind the scenes kind of nasty talk behind your back. I mean, just watch, you know, from eight o'clock to twelve o'clock at night, and you'll see the kind of appetite Americans have. And I'm sure this, you know, affects our children. Um, but we don't we don't have to, to do that. I mean, I, I think this book is sufficiently silly. I mean, there's after all, there's a the superhero is uh, grappling with an octopus, right? Uh, who is chasing a lifeguard who's saving a child. So there's there's there, and there's a silly monster who's got one eye and is wearing suspenders. So there's a, a certain amount and there and there's kids on a zebra. Right. And a guy is trying to wipe off the zebra stripe. So there's some silliness in it. But if you read that passage about wiping off the zebra stripe, you see there's a basically a quote from Dr. King. And so so in all the silliness, it's you have the potential to offer up a powerful message. And I, I, I'm hoping and praying that people pick up those messages, young and old. Just from the book here. It's hard to be a hero when you judge a person by the color of their skin. It's only when we focus on the content of a person's character that we all begin to win. As you can see, some people are heroes and others simply are not. So now it's time to come up with our list of heroes. Come on, let's give it our best shot. And skipping ahead, he says, heroes are doctors, teachers, lawyers, and folks who went to school and such. But you don't need a degree to be a hero. You don't really need that much. 
What you need is respect, love, and a whole lot of courage. And in most situations, you must stay strong and never get discouraged. Just hang in there and follow your heart, and you will know exactly what to do. And remember that the people that help don't have to be related to you. So you're, you you set the, the reader up earlier in the book with, eh, think about wh- where are the heroes? Okay, TV, Spor- sports. Sports. And a lot of people say, right. Le- LeBron James. Right. LeBron James He's is my hero. My hero. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I'm from Cleveland. He's my hero. Uh, but uh, I, I think you bring it back to everyday life. And um, are, are you concerned that, that students uh, are not growing up with enough of that message? I am. I mean, Rochester, let's just talk about it for a minute. We unfortunately are on the bottom of the bucket in terms of graduation rates, ELA scores, math scores. We've, we've had some improvements, um, and I'm proud of that improvement, but you know, s- still far too much frustration that I think makes people think, where are the heroes? How do I get myself out of this situation? In terms of crime, we've made, had some improvements in our community, but we struggle. Poverty, uh, we're ranked, unfortunately, number one in a lot of uh, performance indexes. And, and so in this environment, people are looking for the guy or the gale with the cape, and um, what I'm trying to say to folks is, to steal a line from a movie, stop waiting on Superman. Um, and if you must have a Superman, look at him a little bit differently. Maybe he's not wearing a cape. Maybe she uh, doesn't have superpowers. Maybe they can't leap over tall buildings in a single bound. Maybe the webs don't come out of their nails, their, their hands. But maybe um, they cook dinner for you. Maybe they take you for walks. Maybe they walk you to school every morning. Maybe it's the big brother that takes you to the park. Um, if people can start thinking like that, and not just young people, I, I hope that enough of us older folks read this book, if we can start thinking like that, people will be more hopeful that the numbers that we look at as a board of education won't drive our complete notion of success or failure. Maybe it's the number of people that help each other out. Maybe while we wait for the numbers and graduation rate to increase, maybe if people begin to see their mothers or fathers or aunts or uncles as heroes, maybe people will be more hopeful. And maybe those people can effectuate more changes in areas that we are expecting improvement, like our graduation rate, like our crime rate. Talking to Van White uh, about his new book called Heroes. Find it online at listofheroes.com. And I want to read one section as well there. You mentioned everyday life, not just Spider-Man, not just LeBron James. Your book says this, firefighters and police officers drive vehicles with lots of lights on top. And even when faced with danger, they never think, should I stop? You've got them listed as heroes. Absolutely. We had four people who work with the local chapter of Black Lives Matter here on the program recently. And they said they are so fed up that they think the police department itself should be abolished. Mm. The communities can fend for themselves, that they do not have trust and they cannot regain it mm. in police. I, I mean, it was a tough moment to hear. Yeah. And it's, it's a sad moment when, when there's people in this community who feel that way. And I'm, again, I'm not trying to cast judgment sure. on, on their point of view, even if many people don't agree. But your book talks about police officers as heroes. So tell me about Square. Yeah, up. you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't hesitate to put them in there because these folks um, put their lives on the line. Um, And while I have seen personally and professionally the bad apple in the bunch, and I know exactly what the Black Lives Matter movement is talking about, and I know it in a way that some of them don't even know it. You know, I've seen in terms of my representing clients what a bad cop can do to an individual and his family. And not just in terms of homicide. I've seen that too, by the way. I've seen it in terms of 
unjust incarceration. So you will recall um, Charles Pierre's case. He spent 14 years in prison. One of the, prison. One of the reasons why he spent that time in jail is because of shoddy law enforcement, um, and and we're suing on that. But but my point is, there are there are there's this barrel of apples, um, and there are some bad apples in there. But that doesn't ro- spoil the whole bunch, because in my career and in my personal life, I've seen many more good cops than bad cops. I've seen firsthand how police officers have put their lives at risk so that we can be safe. It, it, that doesn't excuse the ones that do a bad job and, and, and should be off the force. And that, and, and that my message, which includes police officers, uh, doesn't mean there aren't all kinds of heroes, because the book, of course, talks about all kinds of heroes. And there are some, I, I should mention, there are some indirect references to heroes. You probably didn't notice, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm hoping subconsciously people pick it up, but there's a boy who is a man who is dis- differently abled in the book. Um, there's, so, so the message should be that, that's right, um, the, the message should be that um, heroes are individuals, um, and that while there may be a cop who mistreated someone, that doesn't mean all police officers are, 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 are non-heroes or are evil or bad guys. There are some that are, but by and large, you and I and everybody in this community and I and, and I, I realize not everybody's gonna agree with me, and that's okay, this is democracy. We're able to sleep safer, sounder at night because of police and fire people. Now, some of us are a bit uptight when we see police officers. There's reason behind that, and we have to fix that. I've spent a whole career doing that. But this was a message to tell people there are heroes out there. And by the way, I'm gonna tell you, there's another one in there that people probably say, Why you put them in there? The military. I'm not a military guy. I used to be a prosecutor, but I'm a civil rights lawyer. But here's the reality. Just because I don't wear the uniform, military or police, doesn't mean I can't recognize that there are people who put their lives on the line. And let me tell you something. Just because they get paid for it, don't make them any less heroes, right? Because there's a lot of us, myself included, who would not do that job, right? And I know there's some debate about military and the, the exploits of the military and how they have discriminated against for example, people of color, certainly there have been some evil people in the military. I get it. But there have also been people who've stepped up. For example, the Little Rock Nine would not have been able to go to school were it not for people wearing uniforms, right? Uh, and, and, and the peace that many of us take for granted here in Rochester and throughout this country, or when we worry that there might be a terrorist lurking around the corner, our only hope, our only hope is that there will be somebody in a uniform who will be willing to place themselves between us and that terrorist or that thug, right? So you got to give them props. Not not everyone gets that, but you got to give them their props. Just like mothers and fathers, aunts and uncles, the police and the military, and and civil servants across this nation deserve to be held up as heroes. All right, talking to Van White, his new book is Heroes, aimed at what age, by the way? What would you say? Well, you could say reading age uh, four to ten. But I'm really hoping, you know, Dr. Seuss really has no age limit. I, I, I realize that's a bit ambitious, but that's, that's what I was stri- shooting for, that, that young folks would read it, but adults would enjoy it with them. We mentioned, uh, Van mentioned that a lot of kids, when they think about heroes, they do think about comic book heroes, think about cartoons, things like that. 
And uh, the writer Ta-Nehisi Coates has been involved with uh, working with Marvel on creating the new Black Panther. He wrote mm-hmm. uh, the script to an 11-issue series of Black Panther for Marvel. And uh, the Ma- Black Panther debuted in an issue of Fantastic Four in 1966 mm, wow. as the first black superhero in mainstream American comics. The alter ego of T'Challa, the king of Wakanda, a mythical and technologically advanced African country. And NPR interviewed Ta-Nehisi Coates about diversity in comics. I just want to read some of what he said and see what Van thinks. Uh, he says, when I was a kid, Spider-Man was a star. Spider-Man was right under Malcolm X for me in terms of heroes. And he said, I would like Black Panther to be some kid's Spider-Man. And on the importance of diversity in comics, Ta-Nehisi Coates told NPR the following, quote, because comic book heroes are like our mythology, they're our Greek gods. And it's in our pantheon that the only people with power, the only people with weight in our pantheon are straight white dudes. That says something mm. about how we imagine ourselves. And it makes perfect sense because he says, let me just speak from a storytelling perspective. I think diversity is a storytelling imperative. You're, if you're not at least grappling with diversity, then you're not depicting the world. And while the world of comic books is not literally the true world, why would there be, why would there not be gay superheroes? Mm. Why not? He says, I feel like the people who don't do it actually are the ones that have to defend the argument. You know, why does that not exist? Why would there not be black superheroes? Why would there not be Asian-American superheroes? If this is our mythology, why would our mythology only be straight white males? What is actually going on there? Mm. What do you think of that? Well, you know, I reflect back to my childhood. I grew up in the corner of Clinton and Collingwood, and my brother and I, we used to, I've been drawn uh, cartoons and books for years. Um, my brother and I used to draw our own superheroes. We loved Superman and Spider-Man and so forth, uh, Archie comic books, but they were overwhelmingly white cra- characters. So we drew our own characters. My brother, who is now a, uh, a Baptist pastor in, in Detroit, um, he his first character that he drew, and he was our equivalent of Spider-Man. He's Afro-Man. And Afro-Man had a pick in his hair, and he would take the pick out and flam! throw it at somebody and stop the the bad guy with the pick with the pick with the pick oh yeah back in the day you know picks you could unfold them you uh, you, you probably didn't have a pick but somebody out there <laughs> knows what i'm talking about right you, you'd have a pick and it would be red green and black uh okay i'm i'm educating some and and refamiliarizing others and it would it would have like the handle would flip over the pick right so you could flip it open like a tricorder or something like that and start to flip it open and you take it out of the air and shoot and you he'd, he'd stop the, the the bad guy was trying to shoot somebody it, the pick would go through his clothes and stick it to the wall that was our superhero so we compensated and i realize a lot of people don't i i get the message that um some folks look at superheroes and and they see them as the guys in the quote-unquote white hats um, and uh, there, there needs to be more heroes of color. I think that's changing. I, I do. I mean, if you look at, um, you know, Samuel Jackson, he's like the head guy in the Avengers series, right? Uh, for those of you who are comic book aficionados, um, there's a black guy, I don't know his name, but he kind of flies around. He's with the Avengers. I see a couple of people nodding their head. I'm not really a Comic-Con kind of <laughs> guy, but I do know what you're talking about. But I think the industry is changing, and, 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 and with respect to heroes, I was very conscientious of that fact. I wanted to make sure that the person on the cover, I'm going to be honest with people, was a person of color. But let's be clear about this. This is not just for black children. I think that was part of the research that you were describing. This is for white children because you know what? White children need to see that black folks can be heroes too. But that's not even the agenda. I'm hoping that people will read this and say, hey, there's a hero. I like the message. Uh, because black folks need to understand that their moms and dads are heroes, but white folks need to understand their moms and dads are heroes, and vice versa. So I- I'm hoping that the message gets across that heroes 
don't all wear capes, uh, but they all have a compassionate heart and a generous soul. It's a beautiful message. Van White, my guest. The book is Heroes. It's listofheroes.com. Let's get our only break of the hour. When we come back, I want to broaden the discussion to when reading lists aren't diverse. And this past winter, we had a, a series, a, a new series that we called Degrees of Diversity, in which we looked at the lack of diversity on local teaching staffs. And we met a number of local parents. You're going to hear from a, a, a grandparent in the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh School District who was frustrated by lack of diversity on reading list there and what that does and what what the impact that is. We're going to talk to Van about that and a lot more as we continue on Connections. I'm Evan Dawson. Thursday on The Next Connections, we broadcast from WEOS Studios in Geneva, and we'll sit down with the new president of Hobart and William Smith College's Dr. Gregory Vincent. His plans for the future of HWS in the first hour. Second hour, it's our summer of food, continuing with a conversation on composting. Well, how about this? We're going to take composting to the next level, talking about the future of food waste. Talk to you then. Welcome back to Connections. I'm Evan Dawson. If you're watching on City 12, um, you can see Heroes right here. So Heroes by Van White, and it really is well illustrated. I mean, I, I like Van enough as a guy. I mean, we, we, can, we, can, we can scrap a little... You know, my job as a journalist, sure. but but I, I I can be honest. This is a beautiful book, man. Well, thank you very it's much. It's a beautiful book. Uh, the book's called Heroes. Listofheroes.com. And if you're watching on City 12, you see that cover. It's a lot of great, lot of great work there, including the boss kicking it back. The, the, the anti-hero in this one is the boss <laughs> kicking the it boss. on his desk. That's right. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a great illustration. That I hope you don't have a boss who kicks it on the desk while everybody else has to do the work. <laughs> right, right, you know, but right. a part of the point there was you have to treat everybody the that's same. That's right. That's I love right. that message right. in there. Treat yep. everybody the yep. same. Yep. Um, you want to tell me more about that particular message? Yeah, there? you know, the, the idea there is, and the funny thing about that particular page is, you know, Steve Harvey's got this show called Big Shots. Have you heard? And um, I had always had that line, Big Shots, in there. And my and I I think it said something like, Big Shots, uh, I, I forgot the line, but it said, Big Shots uh, can't be heroes if they treat other people small. And, and my wife said, wait a second, Big Shots aren't necessarily bad guys. You, you you know, you can be a big shot and be a decent guy. So I had to add some qualifying terms. The moral of the story is I literally started writing this book a year after, a, a day after I spoke to some kids and said, you know what, I want to have a more powerful, colorful message. Uh, so I'm going to write my own. And I'll be done within a couple weeks. I mean, kids' book, what could it take, right? It took me a year later and <laughs> fine-tuning it, like on the issue of big shots. But I, I hope and pray, uh, and this is quite sincere, that if I can change some hearts more than I can make money, because to be honest, I'm self-publishing, uh, so I'm not going to make a lot of money off it. If I can change some hearts, um, not just to the classes I read, but if somebody looks at it like an adult and says, oh yeah, that's a hero. And and again, I, I spend my whole, uh, I would say 70% of my time in the courtroom or the boardroom dealing with issues of race. But i got to be honest, so I, I make no apologies for making the statement I'm about to make. I'm not trying to make a racial statement here. Now, it just so happens that when you read this book, it is filled with diversity. Uh, I was very conscientious about that. But that's not the message that I'm trying to get at, although I hope and pray when people read it and say, hey, you know what? Subconsciously, look at the heroes that we have around us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and this is not central to the discussion, but this is you're a good person to ask on this. Any advice for somebody who thinks, I gotta be a children's book author? How hard can that be? Well, um, here, here's it. My father wrote some books. He died of cancer about 30 years ago. And um, he wrote books in an era where literally my mom 
typed up his manuscript, right? And the cutting and pasting literally was cutting and pasting. If you have a desire, and I said this at the Harlem Book Festival, we spoke to a lot of people there, uh, authors and would-be authors. Um, today's technology makes it a lot easier. I just remember my dad and my mom laboring over the book. Um, today's technology, literally with Word, you can move stuff around, uh, make different versions of it, save it. Um, and then with the print-on-demand industry, um, you can uh, produce a, a, a document, a book that is credible, that looks decent. I mean, this, this, is, a, this is like any oh, other great. book, oh, right? Yeah, and, then, and then the other thing is with social media platforms, um, Facebook, you know, create your own website. Um, there are opportunities to get your message out there, to sort of level the playing field. So to answer your question, anybody out there thinking about writing a book or a children's book, uh, and that's your dream because you that's how you feel like you can fulfill some uh, desire that you have or address some community need, go for it because the tools are there for you to do it. I, I, re- <laughs> I really thought you were going to say, no. but it might take you longer than you think. It's probably I, I, not going to be a week. <laughs> I, 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 should, I should add that, but I don't <laughs> want to deter, deter people uh, from their dream because it can be a powerful way for someone to express themselves. And who knows, you might help somebody else down the road by reading your book. I want to listen to what we heard from a woman named Musette Castle. Musette uh, is a, a grandparent in the Pittsburgh School District, and we met her when we were talking about the lack of diversity when it comes to teaching staffs. And this is something... Um, oh, I, I, let, let me grab... We'll get to Musette in a second. Okay. Let me grab one quick phone call because I think what, what we want to do is we're going to kind of broaden the discussion in a second. But Suzanne in Rochester wants to respond to some of what she's heard. So go ahead, Suzanne. Well, I just wanted to go back a little bit in the conversation to when Van was talking about people in the family being heroes. Um, For me, what was really important uh, was the stories that my father told. Mm. And my father could tell a story verbally from, um, I don't know, for about a half an hour, one story right after the other, and they were the Anansi stories. Mm, yep. And then my uh, mom told stories, but she told stories about her father, who f- was a doughboy and fought in World War One. and when he came back, he had all kinds of stories about the uh, war in France and the Champagne uh, campaign. So I, I just wanted to advocate for, I know books are really important, and I appreciate um, the kind of list that Van is talking about, but I also want to encourage people to to verbally tell stories. Um, it starts children on an, uh, on an appreciation of words and gets mm-hmm. them ready to read in so many ways. Suzanne, thank you. What do you think, Van? She's absolutely correct, and, and I don't know if she heard me comment earlier on. I began my career as an author uh, creating stories with my children. Uh, my two oldest children were kind of ticked off that I wrote Heroes because they wanted me to write Ned and Fred, which was a story that we developed over the years in, in their bedrooms as they were getting ready for bed about two young boys. Also happened to be, one happened to be white, one happened to be black, but they had a lot of things in common. And my daughter, who's in Peru in the Peace Corps right now, just yesterday, she said to me, Dad, when are you going to write Ned and Fred? If you go to www.listofheroes.com, you'll see um, a watercolor picture that I painted as one of several of Ned and Fred. Um, and I think the caller is correct that from that kind of time that you spend with your kids, you're not only sharing with them your, your values, 
but you're also helping them develop their own. And on top of it, the icing on the cake is they're engaged in a process process of creative design, which will serve them well in school and as in adulthood. So I agree with her. I think if anything, you should be helping create these stories. But I would just say, if you're short on time, um, pick up a book from the library, like my mom and like my dad did. Uh, but the other thing I would say in support of what she said is, by reading to your kids at night, and this is a message that applies to all people, black, white, Latino, Asian, by reading to your kids at night, you don't know this, but like the kids at the Harlem Book Festival, you are their hero, right? Because you're spending time with them. You're sharing with them. And these kids know how precious your time is. My kids knew when, when, when we came home, we were tired, dead tired. But we were laughing and joking and spending the time with them. My God, I cannot think of anything I gave my kids more valuable than Ned and Fred. And I think they would say that to this day. Hmm. Van White, my guest, let's, uh, let's broaden the conversation to talk about beyond children's books, the lack of diverse representation and the impact it can have academically on creating citizens, the, the divides we have in society. So back in December, November into December, we were talking to people across the community about the lack of diversity on teaching staffs. And we met Musette Castle in Pittsford and uh, her grandson, Louis, goes to school there. And she had a, a, a chance to sort of reflect on on some of what she and he had experienced when it came to not just diversity and teaching staffs, but when you have mostly all-white teaching staffs, maybe probably not intentionally, you end up with very little diversity in what kids are experiencing in art, in literature. Let's listen to what Musette told us. When my grandson came home and said, you know, there's a girl in my class, and she's a Hispanic girl, and she asked the uh, teacher, are we ever going to read anything by a Hispanic writer, and the teacher kind of hemmed and hawed, according to my grandson. He said he was kind, didn't quite know. He said, well, no, we don't have any of those kinds of books, uh, you know, by other people. But it was a question, and my grandson said, we keep reading the same things. Well, not the same things, but by, you know, the old authors. He said, isn't there any new stuff? And that's when it, I realized and paid attention that the books hadn't changed over the years. My first, my children graduated from Pittsford schools in the 80s. They're still reading the same books. Not that they aren't great books, they are great books, but there are lots of things that have occurred from 86 and 88, and we're now in 2016. There should be some differences. All right, that's Musette Castle talking to us this past December. What do you make of that? Well, it, it, it gets worse. I mean, we had a book a couple of years ago in the district where it had images. It was a history book and had images of slaves um, and some kind of overseer type in the same picture. It, was a, it wasn't a photograph. It was an illustration. And the slaves were smiling. Um, you know, that's definitely not the image you want communicated to uh, your school children. Um, so we have found as a district that it has been very difficult. The Part of the challenge is... Uh, without getting into any specific detail, but a lot of these books are made in the same part of the country. Well, I can mention the state, Texas. Texas. And there's just a, a point of view. Um, you know, I, I think the report that you were reading earlier on, a, a portion you may not have mentioned, I think 85% of the people that are in the children's book world or the book world are white. Um, so this tends, their experiences probably tend to drive the selection of authors. 
Uh, and so they have to do, they, the industry, has to do a better job of diversifying what is in there. And if they don't, we have to, that is authors, responsible authors, black, white, green, blue. So I, I, I happen to be an African-American guy. The next book that you write, you probably, or an author listening, will probably make sure that there's a few extra black folks in there, Asian people in there. I'm telling you, Evan, it, it's not easy because I literally did the first run of this book and I looked at the characters and I literally, people are gonna think this is ridiculous, but this issue is important. I, with, I did one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, African-American, women, Asians, differently abled. I, you have to work at it because we all have our net. Those people in Texas, I'm, I'm not gonna say they're bigots, I don't know them from Adam or Eve, but we all have our preconceived notions. We're all raised by parents in certain neighborhoods, so we have a certain point of view. Uh, and so we have to change that prescription and we have to, uh, that lens that we're looking through, and we have to do it in a very deliberative way. So I don't consider myself a, a racist. I don't consider myself a bigot, but I do have a, a life point of view that does sort of control what I do. And even me, a civil rights lawyer, after completing this book, I felt I needed to do a better job at making sure. I'll give you a great example. And I don't want people to not buy the book, but when I first did it, I thought there aren't enough women in here. Women are quite frequently not thought of as here. Okay, you see this uh, Wonder Woman now. She's all on the front page. But most of our superheroes in the movies are guys right. like you and me. And after I looked at the book, I said, well, wait a second. That's not right. You know, I got to put women in here. So what I ended up doing is I created two covers, one with a woman on it and one with a boy on it. All right? So Because the message is not only important to women who need to look at it and see heroes, but more importantly... In that context, gender context, it's important that men see women as heroes. And it's important that black people, I think black people already see white people as heroes because those are usually the image they have, but it's important that white people see us as heroes, right? Because not just because you want to make black people feel good, but this world that we live in is very heterogeneous, right? The global economy is going to require that black folks, white folks, Asian folks deal with people who speak different languages, look differently than, than them. There aren't enough walls to be built that could that sh could or should prevent the kind of contact that's going to have to take place between people. So when an author or like that teacher, that caller said, these books need to be more reflective, I thought things had changed ahead, and we really, all of us, have to check ourselves, not just white folks, but black folks too, Asian folks too, and make sure that we are inclusive. Now, I, I want to be clear. Black folks have traditionally been left out of the superhero dialogue. I think that's improving, but we all can do our part to improve that. Now, when you say as an author, you were intentional in Heroes. You were looking Absolutely. at the characters and literally counting. There's a white character. There's a black right. character. There's, um, And you wanted to be intentional because you have to work at it because... Uh, it occurred to you that you could have more female characters. So you were intentional as an author. Yep. Do schools, do teachers, and this is something that I'm not totally up to date on in terms of how reading lists or what, what sort of the world that teachers, like say you're a junior English teacher. Uh, I don't know what the, the world of possible books you have to work with is exactly, but, but do teachers, do schools need to say, all right, what's the reading list for the year? Or what's the summer reading list options? And how many authors of color? How many protagonists of color? And if we are short, if we are off balance, we have to change that. Number one, is there enough within the prescribed possible reading list that can have more balance? And are schools doing that? Then? Well, I, I, to answer your last question, 
I can tell you definitively that there are enough books out there. There's a place called, I don't know if you've ever had them in here, called Freedom School in Rochester. It's run out of need. Uh, they have a summer school program, a summer program that is based on uh, Marion Wright Edelman's Freedom School concept. I've seen their reading list. There is there is plenty of books where people are of color, where leaders, uh, protagonists are women. That's not the problem. And, and so... Because there's more than enough of those books, to your second question, yes, teachers, paraprofessionals, principals have to do what I did. And none of us are immune from it. And just because you have to do it, you have to do it, doesn't make you a racist or a bigot, right? You just have worn a lens, a certain prescription your whole life, and you just got to say, I'm going to just try something different. So don't be afraid. That's the first thing I tell people. Don't be afraid to confront the reality that maybe you weren't thinking about putting a uh, hijab on a woman. They, they look, if you look at one of the pages, it talks about community uh, leaders or heroes in the community. I had four people listed. I think it was a doctor, a police officer, a teacher, and I think there's a fourth character there on one of the pages, right? And throughout the whole book, I was looking for an opportunity to put a, a, a someone with a hijab on. Uh, you know, the, the head guard yeah. that m- Muslim women wear. I had to be very intentional about that because I don't, my wife doesn't wear a hijab, right? N- my daughters don't. Um, so it's not part of my reality. But in order to make sure that my children and every child that was going to go out into that world was prepared to see the world as it is, which is we have heroes that are Muslims. We have bad guys who are Muslims. We have heroes who are cops. We have some bad guys who are cops. I wanted them to focus on the good guys. And I wanted them to understand that Good guys wear good gales, or guys wear hijabs. They are black. They are white. They are differently abled. And and that's why I keep on coming back to this point. This is while I hope and pray people get the message that the universe of heroes is very diverse from a religious, ethnic, racial point of view. Bottom line is here, folks. We need heroes. I don't care what color they are. We need heroes in our lives. And the chances are, if you look close enough, or if you look inside, you'll find one. You, uh, you have any advice for, if we got teachers listening, teachers are off the summer, they listen to Connections every day, that's part of what they do all summer, I've been told, um, or school administrators, and they're thinking about, you know what, our reading lists are not diverse enough, particularly at the high school level. Any authors stand out to you that they should, they should start with? Van, Van White. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of a ridiculous plug, but I, I never thought I would hurt myself saying that. But what I can't name any specific authors, but I can tell you this, if you if you send me an email at van.white@thelegalbrief.com, I can get you such a list because I know people who make it their job uh, in the classroom, in the summer camp room, to make sure that the heroes, the, the 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 folks that they want their kids learning about, the authors that their kids can read from, are diverse as this nation is. Yeah, uh, let me grab because a lot of schools are now have Tanahasi coach. Tony Morrison. But yep. the question is, how do we how do we yeah, keep yeah. Go, how do we keep pushing, mm-hmm. um, and and be aware of, of uh, the re- the rich texture that's out there. Chris in Rochester, next on the phone. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, hi. Um, the, this reminds me of the great books controversy that was raging when I went to college, and and maybe high school um, isn't the right place to, to to debate this, but I I just believe that. Um, we, our culture has a certain framework, and within that framework, you call yourself educated. You can call yourself educated if you're familiar with certain 
uh, canonical texts. And when we start um, diversifying, inevitably, some of those canonical texts get left out. So if we're going to study Maya Angelou, maybe we're not going to study William Butler Yeats. And, and maybe we're not going to have time for Macbeth because we're doing something from uh, the Asian subcontinent. And I'd, I'd, like it, I'd like to hear the comment on that. Uh, Chris, stay on the line there because I'm going to let Van respond, and then I want to follow up with you. Go ahead, Van. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think they're, and maybe I'm not understanding his point, but uh, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I mean, I taught before I became a lawyer. I was a social studies teacher. I got my training at SUNY in Albany and did my student teaching at Troy High School, and I taught social studies. Uh, now, as a student teacher, I was kind of limited in what I could offer, but having taught in um, public schools and private schools subsequently before I went to law school. Um, I, and, and, and knowing many teachers uh, personally now, I don't think that you're precluded from, you know, having a diversity of authors. My son, I, I'm reluctant to talk about him, but he's a teacher in the district. I don't like, I like to keep the personal, professional world separate. But my son is, is um, pretty creative, uh, in putting diverse authors in front of folks. I mean, he's an English teacher, and he talks about Shakespeare, but he also talks about the great rappers of our time. So, but, but can I just jump mm-hmm. in here? Because yeah. here's what I think Chris is saying. I think he's saying, unfortunately, you can't add hours to the day, and this is a zero-sum game. If we're going to teach more authors of color, then maybe we don't have time for Hemingway this year. You're going to have to pick and choose, and do we have to just say, well, so what? You know, that, that it's more important to have a diverse reflection of, of authorship than to say every canonical text gets in there, because for a while it was pretty darn white. Well, I, 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 you know, again, I, you know, I'm not the guy who was in the classroom 24-7. I'm, I go in there to read a book here and there. But, and again, I'm reluctant to focus in on my son, and I don't need to, because mm-hmm. I know there are a lot of teachers in this community that, that can do both and do do both. I, you know, and, and I, I, I know that as a parent, and I know that as a school board member. So, I, you know, rather than get into debate, what I, what I intend on doing is going back after I leave the studio and reaffirming what I believe I know, which is I, I'm just going to tell you to keep it real. And again, at the risk of my son, he likes to separate the worlds. The dad is a school board member, the uh, uh, Mr. White as a teacher in the classroom. But I got to use him as an example. I am very proud of him for a lot of reasons as any dad would be. But I hear him talking about um, Hemingway and uh, Tupac. I mean, you don't have to choose. I mean, and if you're creative, I think what prevents people um, from being creative and uh, synchronizing some of these authors and putting them all in is that lens that I'm talking about. Okay, I, I think you can do it. Chris, uh, quick follow-up. Go ahead. Uh, I'm, I'm just kind of aghast at the comparison between Hemingway and Tupac. I'll just I, at that. Well, see, that's exactly the... No, no offense, and I, I know this isn't a controversial show. That's exactly the point I'm making. Why would you be aghast? What's, you, you don't have any problem with Hemingway. Is the concern that you don't think Tupac is a poet? Is that what you're saying? Um, I'm, I'm really not, I, I, we're, we're talking about personal preferences. One is a Nobel Prize winner, um, and the other is not. And one is a Grammy Award winner. Harold had sold millions of copies of his poets, his poems, 
perhaps more than Hemingway did. But that, that's not even the, the comparison can't be in the numbers. But he, that's you're only proving my point, sir, that I that I think that what prevents people from reconciling them is this cultural gap that says that you can't compare Tupac to Hemingway. And I'm I, I'm saying and I'm not the guy who has Tupac on my I, iPhone seven. But I can tell you this millions and millions and millions of people do black and white, rich and poor. And he has a powerful message that I think may be difficult for some to swallow. But millions of people accept this guy not only as a poet, but I would say this as a hero. I think I think I think Chris is is probably was probably hoping you would choose an author of color. Probably, you know, but okay. Point taken. Let let, (laughs) let, let me let me because I'm going to run out of time. And Evie in Rochester on the phone wants to weigh in, too. Go ahead, Evie. Hi. So I am the guy who's in the classroom all the time. I'm a high school English teacher. And I just wanted to say that we have this conversation as teachers all the time. Like, you, you want us. We're in. We want to teach more diverse texts. Uh, we see and we understand um, the need for them. And we have committees and groups and meetings where we discuss this and we make long lists of authors and titles that we would love to include in the curriculum, even if it is at the expense of some of the great uh, works that are in the canon. The problem is currently that socially there are so many other obstacles besides teachers not getting on board or teachers not being educated enough. So we don't have, you know, there's all this focus on STEM. There's Common Core, which doesn't focus on fiction. And so we don't have the budget. We don't have the time. We can't buy the new books. We can't develop the new curriculum um, that's, that's facing that direction because that's not socially where we're looking as a community. So, Evie, in, in other words, if you wanted to add authors of color to your reading list for next year, you might not have the budget to even get the books? No, never mind if and might. I do want to, and I don't have the books. Okay, two, two things. This is a wonderful conversation. I appreciate and feel very blessed to be here because this is the kind of information that is helpful. Um, and, and I would share this with anybody, and I think I have already, and I'll share it again, van.white at thelegalbrief.com. Uh, you can get that off from any district website, van.white at thelegalbrief.com. Uh, because we do have to have a dialogue about obstacles to, uh, you know, if we're saying be diverse, and obviously um, this teacher, and as I indicated earlier, there are lots of teachers that are doing this or attempting to do this. Or desperate, we, to, desperate do this. to do it. We don't want to put obstacles in their way. Um, and so I need to hear more about those obstacles, and I hope uh, this particular teacher and others uh, you know, contacts me on my website or sees me at a board meeting, and we have some conversation about it. Okay, and, and again, I, I'm not sure which district she's in or if she is in right, Rochester, right, or even, right. but if she's not, she's got to be able to have a dialogue with her administration that yep. says, if we care about this, That's right. we have to find right. a way to fund it, we have to find a way to prioritize and it. I, and I would add, there's another person that she has to talk to or that we have to talk to, and that would be the commissioner of uh, New York State Education Department, Commissioner Elia. We have to talk to Regent Norwood, Regent Brown, and other uh, Board of Regents members to make them say, hey, listen, if we're going to deal with this Common Core, uh, you got to make sure you give us opportunities to integrate uh, other texts and other authors in it. And that goes for every district, because as Van said, Heroes was not a book that he wrote uh, with diversity as, as the main theme. It's about what heroes are and helping kids see positive messages. But the imagery in Heroes, which is beautifully illustrated, certainly was intentionally diverse, and uh, he hopes to see more of that. The book is Heroes by Van White. It is listofheroes.com. If you want to check it out online, you can get it there. Thank you. Thanks for being here. It It always gets interesting, doesn't it? It does. Yes, yes, it does. That's Van White from the Rochester City School Board and an author. Our thanks to Rob Braden, the engineer. Megan Mack is the producer. I'm Evan Dawson. Have a nice afternoon, and we're back with you Thursday on member-supported public radio.